Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. If you've got your Bibles this morning, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. And, um, you know, how many people here know that Jesus is the answer? Amen? Jesus is the answer. And it's funny because I think in terms of Christian catchphrases, that's got to be like in the top 10, right? Like every Christian knows that Jesus is the answer. And I had a bit of a funny experience. Maybe you guys have done this if, if you've ever signed up for a Gmail or a Hotmail account. And uh, they ask you a bunch of those, you know, to put in security questions. Anyone ever done one of those? And anyway, so um, I'm, I'm busy, you know, setting up this new Hotmail account. And uh, these questions popped up. And the first one was, if your company had a one-word mission statement, what would it be? So I wrote, Jesus. And then it said, the next one was, literally, was, who was your childhood hero? So I wrote, Jesus. And then the last one said, what's the name of your best friend? <laughs> I said, Jesus. So Jesus is the answer <laughs> to everything in life. But you know, when somebody first gets saved, isn't it wonderful? When you see someone, when they first meet Jesus, when they first come into the kingdom of God, and it's all about Jesus. I mean, they, you can see the radiance on their, on their eyes. I mean, I've witnessed over the years so many people giving their lives to Jesus. And I tell you what, as far as all of the healings, they're awesome. Miracles, fantastic. Bring it on. Revival, absolutely. But I tell you, there is nothing like seeing somebody give their life to Jesus for the first time. Amen? Doesn't it like, doesn't it do something in your spirit? And I even remember one of the very first friends that I ever led to the Lord, way, way back in the day, you know, I was at high school and I was sitting in my bedroom with this guy and we were talking all afternoon and I was just convincing him about the, you know, about Jesus and everything. He had all these questions, was peppering me with questions. Then by the end of the afternoon, he said, you know what? I think I want to give my life to the Lord. So we prayed right then. And we walked out of the house. We went for a walk. And he said, this is going to sound really cheesy. But you know what? The sky looks bluer. And the grass looks greener. And you know what? For weeks afterwards, he just could not stop talking about Jesus. We've got a young guy who got saved two good Fridays ago. And uh, his name is Thomas. And, and Jesse's nodding because he knows. This kid, man, he sat, my, my, my son brought him around to our house. And so we sat there for a while talking about stuff. He gave his life to the Lord. That kid is on fire. We cannot stop him preaching. He just goes everywhere and preaches. He's so passionate passionate for God. In fact, when we used to have prayer, well, we still have prayer meetings, but he used to come along to the prayer meetings and he grabbed the mic and instead of praying, he would just start preaching. So I had to sit down with him and said, no, 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 this is not really a, a sharing the word time. This is a prayer time, right? But I mean, this kid is on fire for God and don't you love that? But you know, what I find is interesting is that it seems to me that so often as people go along in their Christian life, for some reason they lose that zeal and they lose that fire. And I wonder why that is. You know, some people say, oh, you know, it's because, you know, I've become more mature in the faith. I'm, in, I'm into the deeper things now, you know. I used to be zealous once, but now I am wise. Yeah? You know, and I look at this, you know, and it kind of, I'm, I'm a bit befuddled by it, I have to say. 
Because you see, I'm not a particularly scientific person, but I have noticed this. If I, in my house, turn my oven up to 300 degrees, and I take a dish, a cold dish, and I put that in the oven, how many people know that that dish is going to get hotter? And the longer that it's in the oven, the hotter it gets. And the Bible says our God is what? An all-consuming? So it seems to me that the longer that you hang out with Jesus, the hotter you're supposed to be. What is with this thing of Christians over the course of their life starting to lose their fire and lose their flame? And we kind of go, oh no, it's just Christian maturity. No, it's not. You've lost your fire. You've lost your flame. You've got to get that thing back. You know, and I think it's so good for us to be around sometimes these people who are getting saved. You know, but so many people think that the gospel, and I just loved what Faith shared this morning. Wasn't that awesome? Man, what a preacher that girl is. That's a, you got a good one there, man. I tell you what, up and coming. But, you know, so many people think that the gospel is just a one-off thing. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I ticked the box, I got saved back in 1972, or I got saved back in 2016, or whenever you got saved, yep, I ticked the box, did that, done it, all done. And so many people treat the gospel like that. It's like, yes, I received the gospel of salvation way back in the day. I did that thing. It's almost kind of like a vaccine. You know, you get a vaccine and you get it once. You get the vaccine once and then you're sorted for life. Amen. But you know, the gospel is not really like a vaccine. The gospel is actually more like a goss pill. You need it every single day of your life. If you're looking for a title for my message this morning, my title is Stay on the Meds. <laughs> Stay on the meds. You see, the fact is that what Jesus has done is not something that you just celebrate way back when. It's something that you actually need in your life, every single day of your life for the rest of your life. You can never stop taking the medicine of the gospel in your life. Now, I'm going to share something, and I don't want to offend anyone here, but I'm, I'm literally just sharing an experience from my family, okay, my extended family. And uh, a number of years ago, this person has since passed away, but a number of years ago, we had a member of our extended family who had mental health problems. And as a result, it was important for them to take their medication. Because you see, when they didn't take their medication, they would see things that were not there. And they would hear things that were not there. And they would act in ways that were unusual. Yeah? You know what are going to kill me? I just, I'm just being honest. Being honest, right? But you see, the interesting thing is that as long as they stayed on the medication, everything was sweet. But from time to time, this family member would think that they were okay. They didn't need to take the medication anymore. You know, they, they were better than that now, and they could leave it behind. And when they stopped taking the medication, then all of this erratic behaviour would, would start up. And sometimes as a family, we'd have to sit down and kind of go, are you, <laughs> are you still taking your meds? You know, and sometimes they would say, oh, no, 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 I don't need to do that anymore. I'm quite okay now. 
But we would know from the behaviour and everything going on that they weren't okay. You know what? Because they needed to stay on the meds. And I want to tell you that as believers and as Christians, you have to stay on the medicine of the gospel. Do you know why? Because when you're on that medicine, you will see things clearly. You will hear things clearly. And your life will be acted out in a correct and a right way. But you know, so many Christians start to get to this place of, oh, you know, I've kind of moved on from that. Like I said before, I'm, I'm in the deeper things now. Yes, I know about, you know, reading my Bible and praying and forgiving people and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I'm, in, I'm into the deeper revelation now. I can tell you, you know, all of the different names of the horns of the beast. <laughs> I can explain end times prophecy to you like that, you know. And, but, you know, what is interesting is that, so often when we are engaging with the world, don't you think it's interesting that we often talk about that God-shaped hole that's in our heart, amen? Yeah. Anyone ever use that analogy? It's a good one. The fact is that every single person has a God-shaped hole in their heart and they can't fill it with anything else apart from Jesus. In fact, I love what you guys sang this morning. There was a, a, a wonderful, wonderful verse here which I just I noted down. Nothing in this earth can satisfy Jesus. You're the cup that won't run dry. Yeah. We believe that, amen? Yeah. You know, so often we're talking with other people and we say, you know, you've got a God-shaped hole in your heart. You can't fill that thing with anything else apart from Jesus. You can't fill it with a career. You can't fill it with relationships. You can't fill it with, you know, um, money, with possessions, with, you know, uh, a whole bunch of other things. And we list all these things off that we know that we can't fill it with. You need Jesus. And then when they accept Jesus, we say, hallelujah. But you know, the problem that I see often in the church is that sometimes Christians are really good at giving the medicine to the world, but they're forgetting to take it themselves. They're, they're, they're like, yeah, you guys have got the God-shaped hole in your heart. You guys need the gospel. But let me tell you something. It's not just them that need the gospel. You need it too. Because you still got a God-shaped size hole in your heart. And the only thing that's going to fill that is Jesus. And I see Christians who end up, you know, they've been saved for a few years. And you know what? Practically, they end up living just like those guys. Why? Because they've stopped taking the medicine. And they're starting to try to fill that heart as a Christian with all the same things that the world's trying to fill it with. The gospel isn't just for them. It's for us. And I tell you what, until we realize that the gospel is for us, we will never really be able to effectively communicate how important it is for them. We, we've got to get this on the inside. Jesus Christ will only be the answer for the world when he is still the answer for your life. And I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus Christ still the answer for your life? Is he still the one who is filling your needs? Is he still the one that you run to when crisis hits or do you run to something else? When you get depressed, do you go to the presence of God or do you go somewhere else? You know, this is the thing because we come to church on Sunday. I'm a pastor. And you know what? I see it in the church and I have to be honest, sometimes I see it in my own life too. Being absolutely real, you know? Not quite as awesome as these guys. <laughs> but, you know, I see it in my own life. You know, the fact is that sometimes it's just so easy to try to start filling your own life with the stuff that the world's filling it with. And we claim to have the answer. So if we've got the answer, maybe it's time to start taking the pills. Amen? Amen. All right. So 
What does it mean to keep taking this medication and to keep the fire of your love for Jesus strong? Obviously praying, reading your Bible, coming to church, all the stuff that we tell everyone that they need to do. But Paul in Ephesians gives us a really interesting insight into all of this and some great wisdom. So I want us to check it out. Ephesians 4.17. Ephesians 4.17. It says this, So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. As Christians, we are called to no longer live just as the world does. There's a clear difference. You know why? Because we've got the answer. The reason they live the way they live is because they don't have the answer that we have. The reason that they do the things that they do is they don't have the medication that we have got. Amen? So verse uh, verse 17, it says... uh, I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to engage in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. This is not a particularly pleasant passage. You know, this is kind of really calling it as it is. But you know, what I want you to see though Um, You probably can't put it all up at once, but I'm just going to walk quickly through this. There's actually a downward spiral here. You see, they're not thinking right because they have darkened understanding. This is what the Bible says. Their understanding has become darkened. Their understanding has become darkened because they're separated from the life of God. And they're separated from the life of God because they've got hard hearts. And the reason they've got hard hearts is because they've lost all sensitivity. So here's the thing. When you lose sensitivity in your life, working back the other way, when you lose sensitivity to God in your life, your heart starts getting hard. When your heart starts getting hard, you lose connection with God. When you lose connection with God, your understanding, your outlook, your view on life becomes darkened. And when that happens, then all of the thoughts that you have start becoming futile, pointless, and self-interested. It all comes back to this one key of sensitivity to God. You see, it's interesting. If you go through, that's the negative. If you go through the positive way, it actually works. So you see, if you keep, as a Christian, if you stay sensitive to the Spirit of God, you don't end up with a hard heart. You end up with a, a soft heart. If you get a soft heart, then you don't end up separated from God. You start coming close to God. When you start coming close to God, you don't end up with darkened understanding. You end up with right understanding. God starts to influence the way that you see the world around you. You start seeing opportunities. You start seeing life where everyone else is calling death. You start saying, you know what? God is in the midst of this situation. Everyone's saying he's left. You're like, no, no, no. Can't you see? You know, there's a reason why the angels sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It's not because they are blind to the pain and suffering that is going on earth. The reason is because of perspective. They can see what God is about to do. Every situation that you face has an opportunity hidden in it. But you've got to have enlightened understanding to see what that opportunity is. There is no mountain that you are facing that will not crumble under the Spirit of God that is on the inside of you. There is no situation that you are walking through that you cannot overcome and walk in victory ultimately 
if you can see things from His perspective. But what does it start with? It starts with sensitivity to the Spirit of God. Sensitivity to the Spirit of God gives you a soft heart. A soft heart brings you into reconciliation with God. Reconciliation with God brings you into a worldview, into a perspective of His ability. And when you get there, then suddenly all of your thoughts start becoming God thoughts. And you start becoming an influence and a changer in this world as opposed to a victim. How many think that sounds pretty good? So the world around us starts to say, starts to change. So in regards to this downward spiral, here's what Paul says. Verse 20, that however, he's talking to the, about the bad progression here. This is not the way that you learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught with him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on, everyone say put on. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You have to put on the new self. You have to take the pills every single day. You've got to put on the new self. You've got to put off the old self, everything that looks like the life that you came out of. You know, some of you, you've been called by God. You know, He's shown Himself powerfully to you and you started walking towards Him, but you can feel the talents of your old life starting to pull you back. I want to tell you today, you've got to put that old life off. You've got to leave it behind. That is not where God's got you. He's got a new life for you. You've got to keep taking the pills. You've got to keep taking the meds. So how do we do this? What does it practically mean for us? I want to give you a very practical illustration this morning that I think will help. And it's super simple. And you might have heard this one before. And if you have, that's awesome. And if you haven't, then I'll take the credit for it. (laughs) But to become sensitive to God, what we have to do, because remember, everything is about becoming sensitive to Him. And what do I mean by that? When you become sensitive to God, you become aware that right here, right now, He's alive and He's real and He wants to do something. Now, it's easy to become sensitive to God in church with awesome worship like that and prophecy and everything that's going on. How many people know we've got to become sensitive to God in our workplaces, in our families, in our schools? That's where the challenge is. So how do we become sensitive to God in those sorts of places? How do we wake up and get off autopilot, amen, and actually kind of wake up during the week. I want to give you a really simple little exercise. It's kind of funny because Pastor James almost gave you this exercise awesomely while he was leading this morning. And so I was worried I might be, get, be, be done for being a new age freak, but uh, he's, he's led the way, so this is good. Are you worried now? It's like, what's he going to do? <laughs> nah, no lotus positions or anything. It's all good. The... Um, the Here's the thing, and this is something that I have found to be incredibly effective to just wake up and be sensitive to the Spirit of God. It's simply this. Breathe in. Breathe out. Say Jesus. Do it again. Breathe in. Breathe out. Say Jesus. You know what? That little trick, that little kind of method is unbelievably powerful out there. Let me give you an example. Say you're leaving church today and you drive up off the road and you come to an intersection and you stopped and you're looking both ways and then suddenly, and someone runs up the back of you. For most of us, 
The next kind of 30 minutes to one hour will be spent completely in our head and our heart trying to work that thing out. For most people, they wouldn't be giving a second thought to God being involved or having anything to do with that situation. Are you with me? You know, so for most of us, what happens then is we open the door, we get out, and we ah, ah, the person who ran into the back of our car, and we yell and we scream, and then we, you know, we exchange names and curse them as we walk off down the road because our car won't drive anymore, and right? But he, here's something a bit different. So you're sitting there at the lights. Someone runs into the back of you. You stop. You go, Jesus. In that moment, suddenly you are aware of the presence of God with you and your eyes start getting open to the possibilities of what he might want to do in that situation. Maybe you get out of the car, instead of going burko at the person behind you, you go to them and say, hey, are you okay? You know, is everything all right? You know, I know men and women who in situations like that have ended up sharing the gospel with people and them getting saved. You know why? Because they were sensitive to the spirit of God in the moment. Maybe you're sitting at work, you know, and your boss comes over and yells at you for something. And with everything within you, you just want to start a yelling match and you're just going to, you know, have it at, ah! right? So he comes and he yells, but before you respond, what do you do? You bring God into that situation. And then you realize that maybe it's not the best thing to go screaming at him, seeing as you are an ambassador of Christ in that place. I don't know, radical thinking here. <laughs> radical Christianity, you know, love and forgiveness. I don't know, man, this could change the world. But you know, it's, it's, it sounds like a, you know, maybe a silly little thing, but I want you to try this one this week. I want you to go out into this week and the next time you hit a crisis, I want you to, Jesus. And see what happens next. You know why? Because when you get sensitive to the Spirit of God, your heart starts to get soft. And when your heart starts to get soft, you start walking close with Him. And when you start walking close with Him, your worldview starts to change. And when your worldview starts to change, the way that you think starts to change. And when the way that you think starts to change, the way that you act starts to change. And when the way that you act starts to change, this world starts getting impacted with the power that we're all talking about here in church. This is where the Lord wants to drive this bus. I don't know about you, but I want to get on it. I want to be part of this. You know, so the world needs us to keep taking our meds. Amen. Daily, moment by moment, connecting with the presence of God. And I tell you, over the years, sadly, I've seen so many people joyfully start this road as a Christian. And so many of them haven't made it all the way through to the end. You know, so many have been lost along the way. And you know, the reason I see again and again is because they weren't doing the basics. You know, they went on to other things, but they lost the basics. But when the basics are alive and well in your life, and when you're sensitive to the presence of God and you're just saying, Lord, every moment, every day, Lord, what are you doing? I just want to walk with you. I want to live with you. I'll tell you what, man, God, you become a fount. You become a, a vehicle that God can start to work through. And that's what I believe that God wants to call us to as a church. Is that a good word this morning? Jesus really is the answer. He actually is. He actually is. But what he's looking for is a church that will keep receiving it and keep running with it. Why don't you stand this morning as we finish up?